All right, we are in the book of Galatians. Hopefully you've turned to Galatians chapter 4. Today we are going to finish up our series today. Uh, the series is Prepare Him Room. It's our Christmas series, and this is sermon number four. We started out in this series talking about this, this crazy season that we're in of, um, of COVID and, and just different times in our life. And then we move into Christmas and the anticipation and you want it to be here. You like, I can't wait for Christmas because it just means joy or happiness. And now today we're a couple days removed from Christmas. It's like, oh, it's over now. It's done. Now what? Right. But when we first started this. We said, let's not waste our waiting. Let's not waste that time waiting for Christmas to get here. Let's really be intentional about, uh, about looking for Jesus and wanting Jesus and, and expecting what he would do in and through us. And uh, this, this month we've all had uh, an Advent devotion every day that we could really focus our hearts as a springboard into uh, looking, looking for and waiting for Jesus. So not wasting our waiting. Then we talked about the fact that, that we, we prepare room, right? We make room uh, while, we're, while we're waiting. Then we make room for actually God coming near. It's, it's God came near. And it wasn't just a person born that was a good teacher. It was God that came near and all the implications of that and what that means to us that we, we should take heed that he is here, that we should pause what we're doing, that we should really understand that we are not God, that he is God and prepare him room. Last week, we looked at the fact that as, as we prepare him room, we realize it's only for the weak. It's only for the weak. The proud don't want anything to do with Jesus. I talked about the, that quote from the other pastor I, I listened to on a podcast. He said that people, when they hear bad news, they don't want it to be true. And people, when they hear good news, they want so desperately for it to be true. And when we talk about Jesus, the, the advent of Jesus, the coming of Christ, the incarnation of God in flesh, for the proud, like Herod, right? When, when the Magi went to Herod, they said, hey, where's the one that's been born king of the Jews? Right, this, is, this is the Messiah that's coming. That was not good news to Herod. He was proud and strong and a king. I want to be ruler. And, and he, he dismissed it and, and, in fact, set out to kill Jesus. But those who are lowly, right, the servants, the humble, you had Mary and Joseph, you had shepherds in the, in the fields. When the angel came and appeared to them in their lowly state, saying, Jesus is born. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born, right? This is good news of great joy for all people. It was indeed good news for them, and they went after it. Uh, with all their heart, and as we should do. We should humble ourselves and go after Jesus with all of our heart. But making room for him is only for the weak, so you and I need to be weak. And this week we finish up with making room for the gift of God, the gift of God. We've just got done probably opening gifts or receiving gifts or cards or something from, from others, and, uh, and now it's an opportunity for us to look at God, uh, God's gift to us, and, and to prepare room for that. Um, it's interesting to think about gifts, right? You have all kinds of different gifts going on. You have white elephant gifts exchange. You have people have draw, they draw a name in the family, say, I'm going to buy for this person. And that's the gift. It's really, it's really uh, interesting to see the different traditions and white elephants are, are not necessarily the best thing in the world. They call them white elephants. It's like buy, buy or get one of those cheap kind of oddball gifts and bring it to a party. And we're going to swap them around. And, uh, it's called Yankee swap sometimes, right? It's like, I want to steal that from you because it's better than what I got. This is an old burnt something and it's something that found in the back of the cupboard right that's a white elephant gift um, it's not a very fun game at all sometimes it's called nasty santa right because it's just not very fun you're getting gifts that aren't what you want and and, th and then you think about the, on top of the gifts uh, as we we look at in, a, in the uh, americanization of our gift giving we always make sure that there's you know what are the exchange uh, policies at the store how can i exchange the gift uh, what are the return policies how much am i going to pay if i have to return this can i get a gift receipt and when we give a, we give a gift we put a gift receipt with it so they can take it back if it's not what they wanted and here's here's the big thing is there's a big difference we have to understand 
uh, when we talk about gift giving and gift receiving when it comes to what Christ has given us. There's a big difference between what we want and what we need. In my family, you know, we, we certainly give gifts of things that we want, and we, we, my kids make a list. But for my wife and I, we tend to, during birthdays and, and giving times like Christmas, we tend to think, okay, what, what do we need? What is something that our, our family needs or our household needs? Certainly we're going to take care of the wants, and here's something pretty or something fun, you like that. But, but what do we need? If we're going to make a purchase, make, you know, make, we want to steward our, our money well, and what might be something that we need? And that tends to not come with any, any necessity of a gift receipt. Because it's something that we need to support our family or our home or to, to make, make some, fix something or to, to replace or repair something. That's something that we think about as well. But when we come to Christ, we come to look at this, today's topic of, um, of the gift of God and making room for the gift of God. When we make room for the gift of God, we are not saying, but please send me a, a gift receipt. Please, please make sure I, I know the return policy. Make, make sure that if it's not the right color, I can exchange it later. That's not how we prepare room for the gift of God. So today we're going to look at a few things uh, regarding the gift of God and what, what God gives us as gifts and then what we should then in turn make room for. I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to, I'm going to read a quick passage as a preface out of Matthew and then we'll turn into and go to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for an amazing season, Lord, uh, to, to look to you, to look at you, uh, God, to let you indwell our hearts and to change everything. God, whether it's the, the greatest year in the world or the worst, Father, it's always the best when Jesus is here because you are the greatest gift. We ask now as we go to your word that you would, would humble our hearts, that you would open our hearts, that they'd be receptive to, to the word of God, to what you would have for us today, to what you would say to us today, how you would encourage us, how you'd strengthen us, how you would convict us of sin, and God, how you'd draw us into an obedient relationship with you by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for the grace of God that has been found in Jesus Christ. We pray this all in his name. Amen. I'm going to read a passage out of Matthew chapter 7, then we'll go into Galatians 4. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked him for fish, would give him a snake? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I love this, this passage of Scripture because it, it reveals the heart of God, that, that God as a Father wants to give us good gifts, and he has indeed given us the best gifts. We're going to see those today. Now we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to read 4 through 9 today together. Our Christmas verse. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things by, the, by nature that are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Now we'll stop there, and we're going to break that apart a little bit with some of the other scriptures we have today. So we're looking at uh, the gift of God. We're preparing room for the gift of God. And number one, the gift of God 
is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And, and we've talked about this a lot through this series, uh, that, that preparing him room really means accepting and receiving him for who he is. But in order to prepare him room, we have to know who we are without Christ. We have to know the deep need we have. This is not a fanciful, man, I want a new car and a new boat and a new Savior. It's going to be great. This is how, a place we get to in a desperate place, saying how desperate I am because of my sin and my separation from God. How desperate I am because of my brokenness and my inability to fix it on my own. How desperate I am and how desperate I am in need of God as Savior. This is not a gift we just, I want this new thing. This is a gift that we all desperately need, and it's a gift God has given us. He's given us Jesus Christ, and we have to think about him. We have to put him forefront. We cannot set him aside Galatians tells us when the time had come to completion, God sent his son. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under the law. That you and I who are under the law and cannot fulfill the requirements of the law, that God sent Jesus to fulfill it for us. Jesus is God's gift. We see that in John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way, that what he gave, he gave, this is the gift of God, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. And verse 17 says, for God did not send his son, here's this gift again, sending his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. See, Jesus was the redeemer, the one that would come and pay the price. He didn't come to condemn the world. We were already condemned because of our sin. He came to save the world through him, that he would, he would take the condemnation of God. He would take the wrath of God on himself, the wrath that I deserved, the wrath that you deserved. And if, listen, if we truly knew our need and the gift that God is for us, we would, we would come running. Many of us have come running. Jesus says this to the woman at the well in John 4. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Jesus standing there before the woman at the well. She's coming for a drink and, and coming to draw from the well. And, and he asks her for a drink. And, he, and this is a Samaritan Jewish thing. No, you can't do that. It's, it's bad, bad form. Jesus says, if you really knew who I was, I'm, I'm the gift that God has sent. And if you understood your need for this gift, you would ask me for water. And I would give you water that would never run out. I would give you living water. If we would truly understand our need, we would call on him as the gift. We would receive him as a gift, embrace him as a gift. We would make room for Jesus and embrace the living water through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, he is the greatest gift, and he, he is only and always what satisfies. There's nothing else. So making room for Jesus is imperative because nothing else will satisfy, and only he can save. Number two, we see that the gift of God is God's grace. The gift of God is God's grace. And again, this is, as we see God's grace, God gives us grace. And what that is is something that we don't deserve. And we have to understand we don't deserve that. And I, even at Christmas time, it's so amazing how, how you kind of reason out, well, how, should I give this gift? And you, I, I, sometimes for me, I'm, I'm shopping or I see something and I'm like, oh, I just think of someone like that. I, I love this. My, my dad was always like this. He still is. Like, he, he'll overhear you say something or like something or to pique an interest. And, and next thing you know, it's like it's in the mail. He, he says, I, I, just, I knew you liked that. Here you go. And I, I love that, right? I love the idea that like, I want to give good gifts. I, I want to, they don't deserve it. They, they, they may feel undeserving of that love or that attention, but I, I want to give 
give good gifts. And that's how God is. God gives grace. It's not something we deserve. It's something we desperately, desperately need, though. That passage in Galatians, again, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And it's not just sons, it's sons and daughters, right? It's children of God. That we might receive adoption as children. Something we all really need. That we could be redeemed from, from and purchased from our lonely and sin-filled and sin-stained life. That's what Jesus did. We had, we, we, and it is, it's lonely. Whether we are surrounded by a million people or not, with, with sin in our life, with separation from God in our life, it is lonely. And all we try to do is all we try to do. We try to continue to work hard to, to blot out our own sin and to outweigh our own sin and to outdo ourselves, but we can't do it and it gets lonely because of our sinful and sin-stained life. But through Christ, through receiving Christ as Savior, through trusting Him in faith, He brings us into an eternal family by His grace. He grafts us into a new family. He says, you know what, you were, you were an orphan you are an alien, but I'll bring you in and make you a son or daughter by grace through faith. And it says that in Ephesians chapter 2. You are saved by grace through faith. It's God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Isn't that an amazing, amazing promise? An amazing, and it's hard for many people because as we come and prepare room for the gift, we think that we are the gift. We think that what we can accomplish is the gift, that I, that I can set aside my own sin, my own errors, my own failures, and I can work hard to overcome those things and, and be the person that I was created to be. God says, no, that's, that's not possible for any of us, that we can't do that on our own. We are isolated and separated and in need of a Savior. That's Jesus Christ. He says, but you're saved by grace. You're saved by grace. God's gift to you is grace. You're saved by grace through faith and trust in Him. It's not from yourselves, Scripture says. It's God's gift. God's gift is God's grace. So that you can't boast about how good you are, that I can't boast about how good I am, I can only boast about how good God is, about how great Christ has been to me to take my place. We're saved by grace. That's God's gift. But we're saved through faith. We trust in Christ. And here's what happens. So many people see the grace of God and say, okay, yeah, there's God's free gift, but I'm still going to do some things. I'm going to still work it out. I'm not quite there yet. I'm not quite ready. I need to get my act together a little bit. That's not how this works. Your act can't be together. Your heart has to be in the place of humility and desperation so you can express true faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that he offers you. It's by grace, through faith, you're saved. Not of yourselves. It's God's gift. It's God's gift not about works. So, so expressing faith is about making room for God's gift of grace. That's what the season of Advent is about. Right? It's, it's, it's intentionally meant for us to stop, to pause, to wait, to introspectively look at our own heart and our own condition, and then to receive God's gift of grace in Jesus Christ and let him change everything. It's not about how good we can be or how many gifts we can give or get, how many gifts we get. It's about the greatest gift ever. That's Jesus. I love this time of the year because so this is a real, real time where with my children, it's, it's talking about what is the greatest gift. 
And, and it's, it's wonderful because leading up to it, it's great. And, and we, we read the Christmas story. We talk about how Jesus is the greatest gift ever. And, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But I guarantee you, every, without fail, every Christmas Eve night, right, we, we camp out in our living room underneath the Christmas tree or around the Christmas tree, right? And we camp out in anticipation for what? The baby being born in a manger? Not my children. I, I wasn't like that either. The anticipation is, I can't wait for presents. And they get up in the morning and it's present time. We got to slow, slow down, stop, wait. This is not what's most important. We're going to get together. We're going to do Christmas story. We're going to, we're going to eat some breakfast. And then we'll go talk about presents. And that, and, and, but then you open presents. And then, oh, wow, it's amazing. And they, they have fun and it's great. And then, and then we have to have the whole breakdown conversation again. What's really important? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is really important. It's amazing because they love it. And, and my, my kids so many times yesterday, this is the best Christmas ever. Every Christmas is the best Christmas ever to a kid who gets a present, right? And a toy that they like. It's, it's the best Christmas ever. But the conversation we had to have after our present time as a family, and then we, we got online and FaceTime with my, my folks and my brother in, in Montana, and we, we, after that, they opened those presents. The conversation was, okay, these are amazing, but the best Christmas ever is not because of presents, Presents are fun, and they're, they're great, and it's neat to receive and to, and to see, us, see people love you well. But the conversation was, it's the best Christmas ever whether we had a bunch of presents or didn't have a bunch of presents. Because the best Christmas present ever is Jesus. And my daughter, it was amazing, my daughter realized that before I even said it. I said, you know, it, there are some people that didn't get any presents, and it can still be the best Christmas. And she says, yeah, because the best present is Jesus. She's getting it, right? But then we're off to our in-laws to go open presents, right? And it just kind of perpetuates it. But we have to focus in and make sure we know the best, the best gift, the greatest gift, is God's grace, and it's in G, found in Jesus Christ. That passage in John, we've seen this before, and I read it uh, through Advent, and I've read it through the sermon series. But in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, it says this. He, that's talking about Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and to his own people. They didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who would believe in his name, who were not born of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. So there's faith there, right? There's God's grace given in himself, and there's faith in Christ in order to become children of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of... So Jesus is the one and only Son from the Father. He's the, he's the gift, right? We make room for Jesus as the gift. And then we make room, right, as the gift of God is, is grace. And it's, he, the gift of God is grace. It says that Jesus came... The son, he was a son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jump down to 16. It says, Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's his, his, his goal. He came full of grace and truth to give us grace upon grace that we would understand our deep need for that. Again, going back to last week, uh, making room for Jesus is only for the weak. It's only for those of us who, who humble our hearts and say, I really desperately need Jesus. I'm going to make room for Jesus. I need him more than I even realize I need him. And, and he gives that grace upon grace to us from his fullness. 
the gift of God that we make room for is God's Son, Jesus, and it's God's grace. Number three, the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. This is not a temporary thing. This is not a, a, a temporal thing. It's not just a mortal thing, a, an item that's going to break and be destroyed, right? Everything we have in this life can and will be stripped away from us. The only thing we get to take to heaven with us are other people that we share Christ with. The most important thing we could do is, is share an eternal perspective and, and, and receive an eternal perspective from Christ, and that is receiving eternal life. We are very consumed with this life, aren't we? Very consumed with the worries and the cares of this life. Our schedules are surrounding ourselves with ways to make maybe things a little easier or make things get done more productively, to, to avoid conflict when we can. We are consumed with this life. But the hope we need is not a hope for today to get through today. The hope we need is a hope that will endure into eternity. In our Galatians passage, he says that through that faith in Christ, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God made you as an heir. Think about that, that adoption, that we're grafted into his family, and we are heirs to what Jesus offers to his kingdom. He's not saying, I'm going to buy you 10 acres up the street and put a nice house on it for you. He says, I am going to welcome you into my eternal kingdom. That will be a kingdom that I reign over forever and it will endure forever and you will be a co-heir with me. There's an eternal hope in that. That's what we long for. The gift of God is eternal life. Romans 6.23 says this, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's an amazing promise. First of all, there's a reality there, and we've been saying this. We need to understand our need. It says the wages of sin is death. For us to understand and put into perspective and to make room for the gift of God that's eternal life, we need to know that we don't have it, that we don't have eternal life apart from Jesus Christ. We will not have hope without him. We will not have joy without him. Christmas can't be wonderful and amazing without him because it will ultimately end in despair without Jesus Christ. We are all separated from God. The Bible says there's not one person that's good, not one, that we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standards and glory. And he, he knows it. And he knew it from the beginning. He says, that here's the law to show you how, how bad you are. You, you can't keep the, the law that I put out there for you. And the wages of that sin is death. That every human being will suffer the consequences of their own sin and be separated from God forever, both physically and spiritually. But I love how this verse says the but, right? It's that conjunction. The wages of sin is death, but, that's the hope, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We make room for the gift of God that is eternal life by expressing faith in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's, it's embracing an eternal perspective as well. That, that getting through this day, getting through my sickness or my illness, getting through this financial hardship, getting through this relational faux pas, whatever's going on, is not the goal. It, it's nice. It's nice to find healing. It's nice to find reconciliation with people relationally. It's nice to have things go smoothly here. But again, we are far too preoccupied with this life. 
We're far too preoccupied with its cares, with its worries, with its grief, with its pleasures. And when Jesus came to bring eternal life, he, he saved us from the wages of our sin, which is death and separation from God. But we are saved from the misery of sin in this temporary place. And, and we are saved from the misery of our sin for an eternal home. So we are, not, we are not saved today for today and for this place that we live. We are saved and given hope for the one day when there will come a day when there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no more death and dying. There are no more tears. And, and that day, that age, is infinite. That's called eternal life. So today as we preoccupy ourselves with this 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90, whatever it is, years we have to live, if we preoccupy ourselves with that, we will miss the gift of God that is eternal life. So eternal perspective is saying, you know what, I'm going to live today for tomorrow. I'm going I'm to hope in tomorrow. You know, last, last week I had someone that came to faith in Christ, and, and listen, when they came to faith in Christ, their circumstances in their life did not change. There were still issues relationally. There were still issues financially. There were still hardships they faced. But when they came to faith in Christ, they realized the hope that they had and the joy they had now was an eternal hope, an eternal joy. And that no matter what they faced in this life, that God would bring them through in the end. And God was with them now, today, for today, for the pain that's here today. We, we love to have our misery and our, our sickness and our finances and relationships all fixed today, right here today. And we should endeavor to humble ourselves before God's word and to see how he would have us do that. But ultimately, the hope that we have is in Christ. That's the gift of God that is eternal life that only Christ gives. And that is a perspective we should have for today, not to focus on today, but to get us through today because of tomorrow. Going on in that passage in John 4, when Jesus was at, there with the woman at the well, he said, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. This is thinking about the physical right now, the temporal in this life versus the eternal. Everyone from, drinks from this water in this well will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. I pray that you make room for the gift of God. And that as you do, you embrace this hope-filled, eternal life in Jesus Christ that only Christ offers. Finally, we see the gift of God that we make room for. Number four is the Holy Spirit. God gives us His Spirit as, as a gift. I want to read this entire passage again out of Galatians and catch this last part. It says, When the time came to completion, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are God's sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. God sent His Spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no, no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Now, now get this next part and, and see what he's saying. There was a former way and a, and a new way of life. It says, but in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, 
How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? It's an amazing truth here that we were slaves to those weak and worthless elements, to the things of this world. But through faith in Christ, he has now freed us from that and he's grafted us into his family and he's given us his spirit that he lives within us. And when he lives within us, there's a power in us that is unlike anything we've ever experienced before. The gift of the Holy Spirit is, is amazing. Paul writes this in, or sorry, uh, Peter says this in Acts chapter 2. His, he's preaching uh, this gospel message. He says to people, he says, Repent and then be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Understand that we repent and we're forgiven and we, we baptize to, to identify with Christ and to show off that forgiveness. And you will receive then the gift of the Holy Spirit. So once we have trusted Christ in faith, we receive the Holy Spirit. And then there's the next part of this. There's an overflow. And I've jumped down to verse 42. There's this overflow of these people who trusted in the message of Christ and were baptized. As, as thousands came to know Christ, God's Spirit began to indwell each one of them. And then they overflowed with this. It said in verse 42, they devoted themselves. People who didn't devote themselves before, who couldn't care less about their neighbor, who really were in it all for themselves, people like you and like me, who heard the message of Christ, it was, they were pierced to the heart and then through faith in Christ received the grace and the gift of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came to live inside. It changed everything. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. If you read on and on in the book of Acts, you'll see this amazing, this, this whirlwind of faith and this whirlwind of self-denial and, and this whirlwind of let me serve one another and, and, and reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that that's accomplished. You and I were given, through faith in Christ, if you, had, if you expressed faith in Christ, you and I were given the Holy Spirit that he now, now indwells us. For you and I, it's a challenge at times, though. We have to yield ourselves to that. We have to make room for the gift of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We have to let him and allow him do what he wants to do in us. It's not just, oh, yeah, I have Jesus now. I go about what I want to do. No, I have Jesus now, and I, I want all of Jesus. I want whatever he wants for me in me. 2 Corinthians, it's, uh, the, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and talking about this, this servitude they have to one another. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 14, he says, uh, And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. I love this. That they, What they see is like there's a rejoicing in their friends. They're rejoicing in their brothers and sisters in Christ because Christ, through his Holy Spirit, has indwelled them and that they have been changed and transformed from the inside out. I hope that if you look at your life, you'll notice that too. You'll see that through faith in Christ, once you have expressed faith, it changed everything in you. It changed everything about your hopes and your fears and your dreams. There was joy that you never had before. And, and the circumstances of your life, again, may not have even changed. But you changed because the Holy Spirit became a part of your life. That He was in you. So they have this deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Verse 15 says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit in you and in me. We ought to be thankful that the Holy Spirit indwells us. Sometimes we're not, are we? Someone's like, oh, I don't want that conviction. I don't want to feel that. I feel guilty because I did that. I shouldn't have done that. And he's like, hey, shape up. That's not how I want you to live. But what's even more amazing is when we yield ourselves to God's Holy Spirit, when we, when you and I yield ourselves to God's Holy Spirit, you become a gift to me. 
God's Holy Spirit is a gift to you, and God's Holy Spirit in you becomes a gift to me because we let God's Holy Spirit produce a fruit in us, don't we? And as he produces a fruit, that fruit is a fruit of service to one another and love to one another and affection for one another. And that's why Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Saying, you know, I couldn't do it without you. I couldn't continue on and, and be encouraged the way I need to be encouraged and supported and accountable the way I need to be accountable without God's Spirit indwelling you also and you being iron sharpening iron in my life. So what does God's grace accomplish in us? Well, it should be a repentive, repentant, fruit-filled life. And you see this little, little uh, portion of this in Matthew 5. And I, I'm using this because it talks about gift. Let me read it to you. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. It says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. We, all, we want to give gifts. We want to be a gift. But what this fruit inside, this Holy Spirit does, it says, hey, you aren't quite right with your brother and sister. This is, this is in a passage of Scripture talking about that. Even the thoughts of our heart and mind, you can call it murder. Like it talks about the depth of sin within our attitude and with our heart and with our mind. And it's saying, listen, if you're, you're wanting to be that gift, but you have something that's unreconciled still, you have a problem between a brother and sister, go, put this down. Go repent and go resolve and go fix that. Whatever, whatever it does, whatever, however it counts on you, go and fix that. And then come back and offer your gift. That we can't be a gift, right, until we reconcile, until we serve one another, until we repent of sin. But that's part of God's gift to us. He gives us the grace necessary and the faith necessary to do that. And the Holy Spirit that convicts us of that. We bring a gift, but by the power of His Spirit, we humble ourselves and we serve one another in love. We produce a fruit. Galatians 5 talks about this fruit of the Spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law has, not, no, uh, has nothing against such things. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. We're saying, today, this life, the, pet, put, the cares, the worries, the passions, the pleasures I want now, they're done. I'm done with those. I want to bear a fruit. I want to produce a fruit. I want to produce a fruit that looks like Jesus. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is part of making room for the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. I want to follow, follow God's Spirit in stride. I want, to, I want to go where He leads me. Then it gives us another charge. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. That's the attitude that we will go into if we don't make room for this gift of the Holy Spirit. Instead, I want to make room for the gift of the Holy Spirit and I want to see the fruit that he will produce in my life. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ultimately, this is about letting God's gift be used and seen and to be a gift for other people. Our, our, the theme verse, or the mission statement verse for our church is from John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35. Jesus says this, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. If we really want to love one another, if we want to produce this fruit, we have to make room for the gift. The first, it's the gift of Jesus, right? 
We make room for the gift of Jesus. We make room for the gift of grace, knowing that we need him desperately, and we express faith in him to let him change everything. It's so important for us to do. And as we, as we do that, we gain eternal life. That's the gift of God, eternal life. Making room for eternal life means I want to have an eternal perspective. I want to think about this not in right here and now, but what, how eternity affects right here and now. What hope I can have. And then finally, I produce a fruit. I produce a fruit that does not come from me. It comes from God's Holy Spirit in me. And I have made room. I have stepped aside so I can keep in step with what he would do in me. These, these are the gifts of God. These are the gifts of God that he wants us to make room for, that he wants us to receive, and that he wants us to produce so that the world would know Jesus. That the world would see him as the greatest treasure. And they would see that only he satisfies. I pray that during this Advent season and as you go forward from here, that you will have made and continue to make all, the, all kinds of room for Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you stand with me and pray? Father, thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and God, how you've lavished that out on us through the fullness of Jesus Christ. God, as we have paused for this Advent season, as we pause for this sermon series to really reflect on Jesus and, to, and prepare room for him, God, I pray that, that that would be just wrecking us on the inside, helping us to get over ourselves and move to a place of obedience, to a place of belief and faith in Jesus. We thank you for the gift that he is. We thank you for the gift of his grace. Father, we thank you for the gift of eternal life through faith in Christ, and we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. May we make room, may we step, set, step aside so we can keep in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit would produce a fruit in us that we wouldn't even understand, we wouldn't even see or, or recognize ourselves because of what he's empowering us to do and how he's empowering us to love and how he's empowering us to share the hope-filled message of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.